Awesome. We're starting a brand new series today called Legacy. Everyone say Legacy. And it's all about exploring the faith of those that have come before us. See, your legacy is what you impart into others. It's the impact that you have on those that come after you. It's what you leave behind. Now, the story goes that um, there was this very wealthy man that worked very hard for his money. And he loved his money more than pretty much anything else in this life. And so he made his wife understand something that was really important to him. He said, listen to me, my lovely wife. When I die one day, what I want you to do is bury me with all of my money because I want to take it with me into the afterlife. Now, it seemed crazy, but the wife agreed that she would do this. And one day it eventually came that the man had passed away. And there the wife was sitting at the funeral next to her very best friend. And right before uh, they rolled the casket away, she yelled out, wait, wait, wait. There's one more thing that I need to do. And she walked over to the casket and she, she's carrying this uh, shoebox and she places it inside. And then she goes back and sits down and they seal up the casket and wheel it away. And her best friend sitting next to her, she says, surely you didn't bury him with all of the money. She says, every last cent. She says, I'm a good Christian woman and I cannot lie. I gathered every last cent. I put it into my bank account and I wrote him a check. He's got six months until it bounces. <laughs> legacy is what we leave behind it's what we invest and impart into others look in this series we're going to explore the faith of those that have gone before us but I don't want us to just explore it and go that's nice that's good information I want us to be inspired and stirred by it I want us to take a look at the challenges and and the decisions and the stories and the examples of great men and women so that we could be stirred and understand and use it as an example as to how we could have an unwavering faith in the same God See, this morning I want to take a closer look at a man that we don't know much about, uh, but God spoke about this guy in a very profound way. In fact, I think God said something about this guy that he hasn't said about anyone else in all of Scripture. There was a man named Caleb from the son of Jephunneh, originally from the tribe of Ephraim. That's a tongue twister. His name was Caleb. And in a moment, we're going to jump into a little bit of a context so we can jump into the story about this guy. Uh, But before we do, I want to say that in Numbers 14, God describes Caleb as being someone with a different spirit. Someone with a different spirit. In another translation, it describes him as having a different attitude. Essentially, Caleb approached the challenges that he faced in a different way. Have you ever met someone that was just different? You can just tell there's something about them. Like they're a person like you and I. They're made up of the same stuff, and yet there seems to be just something going on internally that makes them stand out. When the Bible says that Caleb had a different spirit, what's interesting is that the word used for spirit um, is the word ruach. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but gave it a shot. Um, it's the word ruach, which, which translates to mean spirit. And it's often the word used when referring to the spirit of God that dwells uh, within us. Um, it's the word that describes breath, uh, the breath of life in a person. It can also be translated to be the word mind. So Caleb had a different mind about him. Now, a different attitude or perspective or outlook is probably a more accurate translation because the truth is Caleb had the same spirit of God within him, but he was connected with it in a way that allowed him to live a life of faith. It's in Ephesians 4 verse 4 that says there's one body and one spirit. 
And so we know that the same Spirit of God that lives in us as believers is the same Spirit of God that was in Caleb, but yet there was something different about him. And I don't know if, if you're like me, but as I read that, I go, I want to know what that is. If God would say himself about Caleb that he is a man of a different spirit, well, well I want to have a different spirit too. And so we're going to jump into the story and dive into it a little bit, all right? So a little bit of context. Um, God delivers Israel. Israel is God's chosen nation. They're his special people. And he delivers them from 400 years of bondage in Egypt. And he leads them to a place called Mount Sinai. And they camp out there and they're at Mount Sinai. And it's at this place that God sets up a new covenant, a new agreement with his people. And it's at this place that God gives the Ten Commandments on the stone tablets. Now, God's gracious and he sets up this new covenant, this new agreement. But despite that, the Israelites, they continue to be rebellious. They continue to turn their back on God, but God is a good God. And he sees the good in people. And despite their rebellion, he creates a way for the people to be able to live close to his presence in the tabernacle. Maybe you've heard that word. Maybe you haven't. The tabernacle was this big, like fenced off area and inside was a large tent and inside that was a place called the holy of holies and at that time that's where the presence of God was it wasn't in every believer like it is today the presence of God was in this holy of holies and situated camped around the tabernacle were the priests and those who were in the Levite tribe now the reason why the Levite tribe were there is because God had specifically asked that tribe to support the priests in their work and to be part of that. So they were camped out around the tabernacle, nice and close to God's presence. Now positioned around all four sides of the tabernacle were the 12 tribes of Israel, three on each side. And on each side, one of those tribes was designated as the leader of their side. In a moment, we're going to talk about Caleb. And also a man named Joshua. It's interesting that both Caleb and Joshua were from the two tribes on their sides that were the leader of their side. So Caleb was from Ephraim and Joshua was from Judah. Now the way that this was set up was like a big elaborate symbol of God's presence being right at the center of their very existence. And after being camped out at Mount Sinai for about a year, they begin to set out and they make their way towards the promised land. This is the land that was promised to Abraham. This is the land that would be the inheritance of Israel. And so the Israelites, they go on their journey and they get to this desert uh, called the desert of Paran. And this desert is about halfway on their way to this promised land. And as they get to this desert, God speaks to Moses. And he says, Moses, what I want you to do is send 12 spies ahead of you into the land to scout it out a bit, to see what it's like. And these 12 spies would be one person from each tribe to represent them. It's like the first Hunger Games, one from every district, right? So he sends them out to represent the 12 tribes and um, because Moses wants to know what it's like. He wants to know, and as he sends them out, he goes, I want to know, are the, are the men there, are they strong or are they weak? What's the land like? What sort of fruit grows there? Do they just have small towns or do they have large fortified cities? And so the scouts, they go, the, the, the spies, they go and they have a nosy around for about 40 days. Caleb is one of these spies. And they come back to Moses back at the camp in the desert of Paran, and they give the report on what they see. And this is what they said. This is what they saw with their very own eyes. It says this in Numbers 13 uh, from verse 27. They said, we entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. And it says, like, if you read it, they had a, a bunch of grapes so big they had to carry it on a big stick. That's a good time. Um, it says, so... 
They're like, it's flowing with milk and honey. It's amazing. It's awesome. It's all that God said it would be. But they said, but the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. They looked like Christian. He was huge. He goes on to say, like, the, the Amalekites, they lived in the Negev, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites, they lived in the hill country. Like, these different people lived in different areas. He describes that. Um, and as Caleb is sitting there, 12, 12 spies went in, and as Caleb is sitting there listening to some of the spies say, it's amazing, but the people are strong, and the cities are fortified, Caleb starts to get a bit stirred, and he, he silences them. He tells them to shut up. He says, stop speaking. He says, let's go at once and take the land. We can certainly conquer it. I love that faith. But look what it says straight after. But the other men who he explored the land with disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread the bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. Even the giants were there. The descendants of Anak next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. See, the people here, they're highlighting that even though this place lines up with God's promises, they don't compare. They can't measure up. They aren't adequate enough because the people are powerful and the cities are fortified. They're given all the reasons why they in their own strength can't win the battle. But look at them. They're bigger than us. Their cities are stronger than us. If we were to go, we would get destroyed. They're thinking of how they would overcome the challenge. But if you were here last week, you heard Shemaine's excellent message on how so many times we fight a battle and we think it's ours to fight, but actually the victory comes when we allow God to fight our battles. God never asked them to do this in their own strength. They're forgetting that the battle wasn't theirs to fight. This is why later in the same story, God speaks to Moses and says, Moses, speak to the rock and water will come out. Now, I'm not a rocket scientist, but that requires a miracle. Like the last time I shouted at a rock, no water came out. And so God says, Moses, do this, do it my way, but Moses didn't do it God's way. Moses struck the rock twice in anger, and his punishment for doing that is that Moses would never walk into the promised land by himself. So rather than doing it the way God had asked him to do it, he did it his own way. He tried to step in and play the role of God. All 12 spies saw exactly the same thing. All 12 spies had the same upbringing in bondage in Israel. All 12 spies had seen God deliver them as they left this bondage towards their freedom. All 12 spies had camped out at Mount Sinai, and they probably at some point cited the very stone tablets that God had given Moses with the Ten Commandments. All 12 spies heard the same sermons, sang the same worship songs. They were probably in the same sort of small groups studying the same sort of scriptures. They were all experiencing the same thing. But it was only Caleb and Joshua that saw what they saw and concluded, surely we can conquer it. There was something different about these two. They saw the same stuff, but they had a different conclusion. Each of these 12 spies, they knew there is no doubt they were chosen. They knew that God had promised them that land, but only two believed it. Like only two really actually believed it in their spirit. Only two believed that what God said had more authority than what they saw. My question for you is when people see you speak, when they see you respond, when they consider your optimism, when they watch your journey, do they see someone with a different spirit? Do they see someone that actually believes what God said? 
See, our world needs more Caleb's. Our community needs more people whose default is to believe what God said. If God is in it, surely we can conquer. I believe God's calling each of us to have a different spirit like Caleb did. To be one who our default response is, if God said it, he meant it. And to carry a different spirit. But if we are to do that, if we're to carry a different spirit, I've got a couple of thoughts that are going to encourage you. I take this out of the story that we've just sort of breezed past. A few things that you need to know about having a different spirit. And the first one is this. You can write it down in your notes. It's in the app. It's your faith will be misunderstood. That's not encouraging as a point. Um, but it's important that you know that. Your faith will be misunderstood. Have you ever heard that saying, like, the majority rules? Like, you're at home, you want to order a pizza, like, two people want pepperoni, three want Hawaiian, because, yes, pineapple does belong on pizza. And <laughs> now I've got you. And so because three outweighs the two, you say, well, the majority rules. The majority get what they want. They've got the numbers. Well, um, that's cool, but God says that that's not how it works. God says that if God is for you, who could be against you? Like it doesn't matter how many people don't agree with you. It doesn't matter how many people don't get you. You plus God equals the majority. There will be times in your life as a believer when your faith is considered extreme. But it's only considered extreme because it's beyond the faith of the one that's critiquing. See, for some people, the biggest consideration that they will make to what their future holds is what they see, or maybe at best, what they see with their mind's eye. But to have a different spirit like Caleb is to have what's stirring in your spirit to speak louder about your future. See, those 10 spies, the ones that came back with the negative report, they came, they saw, they went back, and they stopped there. They didn't consider beyond what they could see. They didn't consider who might be on their side. Don't be surprised when others around you, even Christians, don't carry the same faith as you. You're not weird. You just have a different spirit about you. In fact, if you want to know what faith is, it's in his word. And if it's in his word, he said it. And if he said it, he meant it. It says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the substance of things not yet seen. Not yet seen. Even the way that that phrase speaks of faith. I don't see it yet, but I'm believing that I'm going to see it soon. In Numbers 13, when we went through that discussion and them coming back and reporting back to Moses and the other leaders, Caleb, he said, we can certainly conquer it. But the other men who explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. Your faith is going to be misunderstood. You know, for Darcy and I, um, one of our top gifts for both of us is the gift of faith. Every time we do growth track, which is on again today, it's going to be awesome. Uh, we, we do the test and faith is always really high on the list for us. That means for us, we kind of find it easy to believe God for things that others might find it a bit hard to believe God for. We find it a little easier to see things as, as black and white. See, for me, if God said it, he meant it, his promises are done. I consider them done and it might not be in my perfect timing, but every promise of God is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm filled with faith. I feel like faith is one of my strongest gifts, and yet there are still times when I get outdone by Darcy. But I love that about her, you know? Um, I remember, like, back when we lived in Howick, this, was, this is going back quite a few years ago, um, there was a time we thought, should we start looking around? and see if we could maybe buy a house. Now, in hindsight, we were dreaming, right? Um, but, you know, you have a geese. And so we started to have a look, and um, at the time, 
our, like, the amount that we could possibly borrow was really low for the Auckland market. This was like the peak of the Auckland market house prices. But we started to have a look around, and um, I remember seeing this really ha- nice house online that was, that was awesome, and uh, it was just around the corner from where we lived. Uh, it was like freshly renovated, had a nice backyard, really good area in Howick. I was like, this would be so good. This was before God planted the seed on our heart to come out to Papakura. So don't get offended, but we were going to stay there at that time. Um, and I showed Darcy this house online and she goes, how much is that one? I said, well, I'm not a real estate agent, but I can tell you it will probably go for about $850,000. Now, our budget, and I'm, I'm saying like, if everything aligned. Like God got out on the right side of the bed, the angels are singing in key, like the bank manager had a clear run on the motorway. And even then, it was a roll of the dice. Like we're talking like high 500, maybe 600,000 was like the max at that time that we could possibly twist the bank manager's arm. And, um, and so it's like $250,000 under the value. And I remember Darcy looking at me, she goes, we should just make an offer for 600,000 and attach a cover letter with a bit of our story. Now, I started to do what most of us would do. I'm like, it's, it's 250000 under the value. I'm like, there's no way they'll sell it for this. I'm like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't sell it for that much under the value. I remember thinking, like, we're just going to be wasting their time. I remember thinking, like, a cover letter. They don't care that we're pastors and don't earn these huge wages. Like, they might have compassion, but compassion doesn't make you drop quarter of a million dollars off the price of your house. And she looked at me so seriously, almost expectantly, and she says, buddy, God can do it. And I was like, yeah, I know. Obviously, I know that God can do it. (laughs) Duh. It was a test and you passed. (laughs) We made the offer. We didn't get the house, but it's beside the point. I love the fact that the fear of it not happening didn't waver her faith that God could do it. And we left that to God. We prayed about it. We submitted it. We're like, if this happens, it's definitely a miracle. Um, and it didn't happen, but it's okay. Actually, even now as I'm telling the story, I realize what a miracle it was that we didn't get the house because then we wouldn't be here where we are doing what we're doing. And so God, God knows the big picture, doesn't he? See, most of us would say we know God can. Like if I say God is big and he's powerful and he's caring and he has the ability to do anything that he wants, we'd go, yeah, amen. I can believe that. We believe that God can, but we don't believe that God will. Like we can muster up the faith to say God is able, but it's hard for us to muster up the faith and say, I know he can, but, but for me, but I don't know if he will for me. And so the first thing you need to know for sure is that God said it, right? Don't come up with a good idea, decide that you're excited about it and walk around saying God said. God's probably the most misquoted person in history. I mean, I get misquoted all the time and I'm okay with it. I might preach a great message like today and you might... And sometimes people go and they post something and they're like, and they post a quote, which is not what I said. They'll be like, I loved it when Frosty said dot, dot, dot. And I read that. I'm like, definitely didn't say that. I don't even know what that means. (laughs) So we have to know, like, did God actually say it? Because if God said it, he meant it. And it's really important that we know that he said it or, or he didn't. And so how do you know if God said it? If it's in his word, he said it. Look, that sounds simple, but some of you still need to get this in your spirit. If it's in his word, there's no ands, there's no buts, there's no ifs. He said it. 
It's his promise and it will come to pass. You say, oh yeah, but like for them, but like my situation's different. He is the same God. He's never changing. He's just as good then as he is now. If it's in his word, he said it. And if you feel like God has spoken to your spirit, then there's a couple of tests that you run it through. Okay, I think God has said it to me. Does it line up with God's word? Because if it doesn't line up with God's word, if it contradicts something that he said in his word, then it's not from God. He's not changing. He wouldn't do that. So if it lines up with God's word, if you carry peace, and if you've had it affirmed by a mature, trusted Christian that can speak into your life and say, yeah, I actually think that might be God, then maybe you could believe that God said it. And if he said it, he meant it. See, haters are going to hate. Even Taylor Swift knew that. But Haters didn't create the universe in a spoken command, right? Haters can't see the beginning from the end. Haters don't take delight in every detail of your life like God does. Haters don't hear the prayers and have the ability to answer them and do the miraculous. Your faith will be misunderstood. I love Pastor Luke, our founding pastor. He heard from God about what Elam Christian Center would be. People laughed and pastors ridiculed. He wanted to build the botany campus right where it was, but it was on the edge of farmland. And others said to Pastor Luke, they said, there's nobody here. Now, Pastor Luke himself will say he's a little bit deaf, but he's definitely not blind. He could see what they could see. Like the spies that went into the land, he could see what they could see. And when they said, there's nobody here, I love that Pastor Luke had faith because what faith does is it allows the spirit to see what the eyes can't yet see. And people said, ah, there's nobody here. He said, yeah, but they're coming. They're coming. And just like the 10 spies, others might tell you, you're going to get destroyed. You can't do it. How will you achieve that? But decide to be like Caleb who had a different spirit, whose default was to believe what God said. And if God said it, he meant it. And if he's on your side, surely we can conquer. Come on, people are going to oppose your faith. They're not going to be able to understand it, but that's what it means to have a different spirit. First thing is that your faith will be misunderstood. And secondly, your strategy needs to be surrendered. Your strategy needs to be surrendered. See, the Holy Spirit, we say that in church, and maybe you're unfamiliar with this concept, but the Holy Spirit is not a superpower. Sometimes we tend to introduce the concept to kids like that. He's not just a force or a power, but he is God living in you. It is the Spirit of God himself. He is a personality. He is a person. It's the Spirit of God living in you, guiding you as you go from strength to strength. And so that means the Spirit of God in you is not to be directed by you, but for you to be directed by him. In Romans 12 verse 2, this is one of my favorite verses in the whole, whole Bible. It says, therefore, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, that's crucial. Do the first part, then. Don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is for your life, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I love this verse. What's it saying? It's saying, have a look around. What are the rhythms? What are the patterns? What's typical? What do you see? Take note, see it, identify it. Are you ready? Be different. He says, see how other people are doing it and understand that I'm calling you to have a different spirit. Just because that's the way it's done and that's what other people are doing doesn't mean you need to do it that way. When you have a renewed mind and you do it God's way instead of your way, God's way instead of your wife's way or old mate Gary's way or the neighbor's way or whoever it is. Sorry if there's any Gary's. It wasn't personal. Um, when you do it God's way instead of your way, His promise is that you get access to special knowledge. 
Like when you're transformed by the renewing of your mind and you don't conform to the patterns of this world, then you get to know what God's will is for your life. And just in case you were wondering, it's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. Come on, how many people here say, man, I just want to know God's will is for my life? Me too. The first step is that we commit ourselves to being transformed by the renewing of our mind, to think about things differently, and to commit to God's way instead of the patterns of this world. See, that word ruach that we spoke about earlier, that means spirit, um, it can also be translated to mean mind. Caleb had a different mind about him. He thought about things differently. He understood that God was spiritual and had power over the physical world that we find ourselves in. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says this. says, when we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. But we understand these things. At the end, I'll skip the last bit. At the end, we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. God's promises for you, you got to hear this, this is important, always include Him. He's like the leader of the dodgeball team that always includes himself in the squad. Like his involvement is part of the victory plan. If you try to do it in your own strength, you're only going to get as far as one person could go. But if you do it in surrender to God, you're going to get as far as the God of the universe could take you. What is it that you're holding on to? What is it that you have a tight grasp on? Because it can be in God's control or your control but it cannot be in both. It can be in God's control or your control, but it cannot be in both. See, one thing that almost everyone here wouldn't realize is that we have an amazing dream team, and one of the roles on our dream team that help help us to do what we do is the service producer. Today, that's Shemaine um, on the front row. It's not always Shemaine. She's training Alex at, at this time, which is awesome. Now, Shemaine's got her phone, and she's not texting boys, but she's actually doing a job. She's got an app on her phone, and this app is connected to our computer and a TV screen at the back of the room. Now, what happens is at the very start of the morning when Jermaine turns up or whoever's doing their role, they jump onto this app, and they click this little button that says, take control. And now that she's in control, she gets to decide the timing. Now, every segment in our service, the notices, the worship, the preaching, and all that sort of stuff, there's a different timer so that we keep to schedule and we don't end up just spending 40 minutes on the notices and leaving a minute and a half for the sermon, right? That would be tragic. And so as Shemaine wishes as the service producer, she's in control. She can just flick to the next thing. She is in control of the timing. Now, if someone else wants to jump on and take control, um, what would need to happen first is Shemaine would need to go to the bottom of her page, and there's this tiny little button that says, release control. Oh, we don't like that. She has to click release control then somebody else can click take control and carry on. But here's the thing. There can only ever be one person in control at a time. And as it is with God, you know, we want to hold tightly onto things. I I can trust God with this, but I'm going to hold on to this. That's fine. You can do that. You have free will to do that. But that thing you hold on to tightly is in your control. And that means it's not in God's control. You know what I love about Caleb? We've spoken about him in the book of Numbers, but later in the book of Joshua, it continues to talk about him. I'll summarize this portion in Joshua 14, verse 6 to 15, but it essentially says, Caleb wholeheartedly followed the Lord his God. Wholeheartedly. 
with everything that he had, not just his time, not just his resource, not just his gifts, but with everything that he had, he followed God. He lived a life of surrender. Caleb heard all of these other spies complaining about how they couldn't conquer the Canaanites, how it all looked too hard. And the people there are strong and the cities are fortified. They considered their own abilities in their own ways and it seemed impossible. But this annoyed Caleb and he silenced them. He told them to shush their mush. He said, stop talking. And I get a sense that as Caleb then began to stand up and say, let's go right now, Caleb understood that it wasn't by power, it wasn't by might, but it was by the Spirit of God that they would get victory. And knowing that God was faithful and trustworthy, Caleb could stand there right in front of Moses, his leader, and all the other leaders that were surrounding them. And he could say, let's go right now. Surely we can conquer it. You know, God says to build his house and he'll build yours. We read that and we go, oh yeah, that makes sense. Do a couple of things here and he'll look after me. But it's in scripture. And if he said it, he meant it. If you wanna build your life, First, understand that the things of God have to come first. And I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, prioritize the house of God over your own family and over your own walk. I'm not saying that. But if we would honor and build God's house with our gift, His promise right there is that He would build our house. Our strategy must be surrendered to His ways. That's why in Matthew 6.33, He says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Another version says, Seek His kingdom and live righteously and everything else all the other desires of your heart, all the other needs that you have, if you would seek first His kingdom and decide to live righteously, that all else would be added to your life. See, if you're someone that wants to have a different spirit about you, we have to start by choosing God's ways over our ways. Choosing to love when it's hard. Choosing to forgive when it still hurts. To speak life and blessing over those who hate you. To look for and devise new ways of being generous. To do the right thing even when it's the hard thing, to commit yourself to building his house with your gifts and to use God's word as your guiding instruction. Band, you guys can join me. See, the world we live in is a pretty crazy place, isn't it? And we've continued to go through a bit of a roller coaster of a ride and I know some people are doing okay and some people aren't. You're gonna face challenges. You're gonna face battles and you're sometimes gonna face things that feel like wars. And you're going to find yourself in situations where you feel like you're inadequate, when you feel like you don't measure up. Maybe you would say, my kids are out of control and I'm just trying to figure out how to parent them on top of everything else that I'm trying to do. Maybe you'd say, I'm falling behind at university. I've started a new business and I've got a mountain to climb. I'm looking for a new job and it's really hard. I'm facing a health challenge and it's so hard. These are observations of what you face. But to have a different spirit is to make a declaration that stands on the promises of God. Would we be people that carried a different spirit, that by default, we would believe what God said? Caleb didn't care that the other 10 didn't see it like he saw it, that the other 10 didn't believe what he believed. Caleb didn't care about how challenging it appeared to him as a person in his humanity. He knew in his spirit that God had promised them that land and that he lived the life of faith that caught God's attention. We have to have a different spirit about us. One that sees what others see, but believes that there is more. This isn't blind faith. This is faith in a God who is trustworthy. This is faith in a God that is faithful. See, faith and trust 
we always think they're about what's to happen, and in a sense they are, but it only comes from what's already happened. You can only have faith in someone if they've proven themselves. And so when you look back on your life and you look back on history, you can see time and time again, as it is with the Israelites, and it has been with your life, whether you've noticed it or not, God has been faithful and He's never given up on you. And He's always believed the best in you. And that gives you an assurance that if it has been that way, then I can trust Him with my days ahead. I remember as I finish, I've shared this before, but felt led to share it again. I was at a conference a few years ago and God made me a promise in this moment. It was so clear to me as He spoke. I was sitting in a conference and there was about 5,000 people. It was, it was a church thing. And um, I knew at that point, one day, God had already spoken to me one day that I, I would lead a church and I'd do that with Darcy. And we didn't know about Papakura at the time, but I knew that would happen at some point. And as I sat in this conference, almost in the back row, and I looked out around 5,000 people, so clearly God spoke to me and He said, I'm gonna give you that but only if you'll care for them. It was such a powerful promise that one day Elam Christian Center Papakura would be a church of 5,000 people. That's insane. I get that that's weird and mind-blowing and it's not about the number, but it's what God said. And if He said it, He meant it. And if my dream is enough for me to achieve on my own, it's not a God dream. A God dream always includes God in the picture because His involvement is always part of the victory plan. And we say, oh, but Papagoda, you know, Papagoda, hello. Where are we going to fit everyone? There's nothing like that. There's no, nothing that size in Auckland or even New Zealand. I'm not even sure if we have the resources. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Yeah, there's challenges but nothing is too big for our God. I wanna be like Caleb, that despite the challenges, despite what we face, despite how impossible it seems, if God said it, He meant it. And I wanna have a default position of believing what God said, and I want that for you too. We're gonna to be a church that leads the way in our community and shifting culture and reputation. Songs are gonna be written by our worship team that rise faith and bring hope to our community. High schools are gonna be turned around as young people get, oh. Something about young people that get me. They're going to be filled with the Spirit of God and they're going to declare over their classmates and their teachers that breakthrough is coming. This is not about a couple of people up the front. This is about one family that would be filled with the same Spirit, but connected with it in a way that allows them to live a life of faith, to live a life of a different Spirit. And if you want to live a life that is filled with faith like Caleb, that would come back and while 10 others said, too hard can't do it, too many excuses, we're not strong enough, but would still stand on the promises of God and go, surely we can conquer. I wanna pray for you in just a moment, that you would walk out of here already with a different spirit, believing the promises of God. I'm gonna pray for that in just a moment. Cut a long story short, Caleb remained wholly devoted to God. He surrendered his ways to God's ways. He was okay that people misunderstood his faith. And in the end, God gifted the land that he promised to Caleb. Caleb was always sure of that promise and you can be just as sure as of the promises that God has on your life.